Show number 185. Guest John D. Clerk of Texas. MLC The Big Show reminds you to reach out to Burke Holvey of West Virginia, the national sales manager for The Big Show. Burke's phone number is 304-216-2214 or you can find her on the Facebook. To get your summer and fall podcast schedule to help promote or advertise your fall online event or your in-person event. Pretty exciting things going on here at The Big Show. Come on. After the 4th of July, we'll be rolling out mlcbigshow.com as well as a Facebook page. So give them a follow next time you're on the book face. Well, it's a beautiful sunny day in central Iowa. Sometimes I feel like I cheated in life some days like today. Oh, really? <laughs> I'd, I'd trade you. It's a hot, dry, and drought in Texas. Oh, no, I wasn't I wasn't even 100% sure where you live now. You live uh, around Lubbock then, or where do you live? I live in uh, College Station now. So, yeah, I used to live in Lubbock when I still worked at Texas Tech. But uh, gotcha. uh, now that I've worked so, for Perina, I cover, like, Texas and Louisiana. So cool. this is good kind of central located for me. So how many years have you been over at College Station then? Started in 2020, so about two and a half years. Nice. We'll go fast and quick and get you on your way. I think this is going to be an awesome podcast. Some t- some episodes we do screwing around, some episodes we do historical. Yep. But this one is definitely going to be on the educational front. Maybe I yeah. need to do more of these. I only know that it's going to be awesome because John DeClerc has done this style of episode in the past, but there's new people coming on the scene every year that may not be aware of old uh, the episode you did with Ferris Simon a couple years back. Ferris is basically the pod father of this deal. <laughs> I call him at least once a month to ask him if I should keep doing it or if I should just retire. But uh, I appreciate you joining me today and I uh, can't wait to get into it and discuss some stuff that you are definitely qualified and one of the nation's leading experts on. So start off the podcast by just giving a little bit of background about yourself and your history and then we'll pile right in to your expertise. Yeah, well, thanks Thanks for having me, Matt. I grew up in, in Illinois, uh, kind of at a typical kind of Midwest uh, farm and uh, raised some cattle there, showed cattle growing up. I uh, did my undergrad at uh, Blackhawk East and uh, Texas A&M University. I was very fortunate that uh, those two places, I think um, my team at A&M went undefeated. My team at Blackhawk Livestock Judging, we lost uh, one contest. And oh. I, yeah, I was very fortunate to just you know, you got to get lucky and be with some good kids on your team. And so I got judged with some real talented individuals. Then I uh, did a master's and PhD at Texas Tech in uh, cattle nutrition. And then I coached uh, livestock judging teams at Iowa State and Texas Tech for about 10 years. Uh, again, really lucky to get to coach some outstanding individuals. I've coached several national champion livestock judging teams and then uh, been with Perina as a nutritionist now for about two and a half years. Uh, I live in College Station, Texas and uh, cover uh, Texas and Louisiana. And how many years were you at Texas Tech? Or at what what time frame? Was it tech twice? So I would have been at tech from 2008 and 2009, and then a uh, second time around, I was there from 2015 to 2019. And was uh, Coach Ryan Rathbun there when you were there as well? Yeah, yeah. So my first stint there when I was doing my masters, I was Ryan's assistant coach from 2008 to 2009, and then when I came back and was head coach from 2015 to 19, he was still at tech and um, kind of coordinated or oversaw the judging team. And so I, Ryan's one of my best friends. He's a a great guy and gave me a lot of coaching advice the second time or you know obviously i was assistant first time around and then second time i still bounce a lot of ideas off of him one of the truly talented judges in the industry 
I only have one Ryan Rathbun story, and I'll just tell it briefly, and I'll probably edit it out later. Okay. But uh, we had a fairly successful heifer a couple, three or four years ago, and, and Ryan was judging the Minnesota Beef Expo. So this is before the season started, basically the first show of the year. And, and my wife, she's just so darn competitive. We got reserve market heifer at the Minnesota Beef Expo, and got beat by one that was just a little bit different in terms of type and kind but ryan called out my wife's heifer for being really narrow skulled and he's really into that and i've heard him say that since then and i just i always get a giggle not at ryan's description nor his what he values but just how excited my wife got after that comment (laughs) (laughs) i can imagine did you ever hear that podcast that ryan's father-in-law norman coles did i have not uh it was interesting he he has like a bunch of animal analogies how he wants to make livestock to look like a grizzly bear you know big huge footed really <laughs> wide sound can run that fast and he talks a lot about heads and skulls and so ryan oh, probably yeah. married into <laughs> yeah absolutely just a little bit more background about your deal uh you did that podcast with ferris a few years back and no bullshit me and my wife will listen to it every summer as we kind of get started i mean if you were to analyze my podcast honestly about four percent of them might be educational or less and uh (laughs) i mean paris basically just kept bringing the thunder for a year or two straighter i don't even know how long his career lasted and he's he still could come back and dominate the marketplace if he chooses to every one of them was educational in some format and to me the one that hit me the hardest was the john DeClerc episode invited you on the show you were gracious enough to accept and we'll just uh pile right in here with a few questions about that awesome if a person uh is buying a steer and uh it's just the beginning of the year into the fall as we're, as we're just getting started now we're looking at uh everybody's gonna start looking at cattle and trying to buy cattle come middle of august and for the next two months after that what things do you think as uh with your feeding and just basic knowledge of the industry what do you think they should be considering to have a successful show calf, feeding their calf. One of the first things you want to do is kind of almost start at the end, right? Figure out what your target show is, uh, whether it's county fair, state fair, uh, Kansas City, Louisville, uh, down here, Texas major. And I think that allows you to probably kind of develop a, a little bit more of a comprehensive approach. Figure out, okay, we need this year to gain three pounds a day. We need him to gain this. We need him to gain that. And then, you know, kind of calculate exactly what he needs to gain. And, you know, for me, if you kind of understand the growth curve you know cattle are very similar to humans Uh, they're going to gain quite a bit faster growing you know at the front of the growth curve than what they are towards the end so if you think about i need this steer to gain two and a half pounds a day recognize that he's probably going to be gaining three to three and a half pounds early on and then maybe only a pound and a half in the summer when it gets hot and when he gets a little bigger you think about like uh, kids you know you think about junior high kid that you know needs a new pair of shoes every couple months because he's growing so fast well cattle will be kind of the same ways it usually works best i think if you figure out this is the show i'm targeting that calf for what do i need him to gain and then you can kind of uh come up with that appropriately there too i think yeah. the other thing you can do is really target your calf for the judge so you know you guys got dr athman obviously judging the iowa state fair this year and next year that'll help you a little bit here. i didn't know that yeah. sorry for interrupting go ahead i didn't yeah, know no, that no problem but i mean that you know since it's a two-year contract as you're buying steers next year you'll you know, say, okay, Ryan likes cattle like this. And so we're going to try to highlight this steer's attributes, or maybe we need to get a little bit more belly in them, or maybe we need a little bit more shape. And you can kind of develop a a game plan moving forward there based on that judge's reputation or or what they're kind of looking for. I always think that, you know, usually from a judge's perspective, um, you know, Matt, you'd have 
way more experience with this than I am, but it, it sure seems like the breeders, you know, those are judges that are going to, they recognize how tough it is to make an elite animal, right? So they want something with that wow factor because they might look at something that's just, you know, really, really good looking or powerful and be like, boy, that's, that's a tough one to make. But more of our judging coaches, you know, they're coaching kids to go to a contest. And at a contest, you've got maybe 10 breeders on the committee. And lots of times the calf that wins in a contest is the problem free one that doesn't have any flaws. Maybe he's not out there centric in any way, but you say, okay, this is a, you know, kind of a calf that's got no holes and so when you start at the end i need my calf to gain this much i want him to be 12 o'clock at iowa state fair kansas city wherever fit your calf to fit the the judge that's sorting it and and what attributes they're going to be looking for that's a good way to put it cattle need six basic nutrients what are they and what do they do so yeah the, the six basic nutrients and this this helps a lot when we start thinking about supplements to change cattle too so the the nutrients they need would be water protein fat, vitamins and minerals, and then carbohydrates. Water is the most essential nutrient. Um, and I think it's the one we overlook a lot. We generally think, oh, you know, cattle drink from riverbeds and ponds, you know, what, what's what's the big deal there? We can get them to drink anything. But, you know, most of the really successful cattle feeders, I think out there really offer clean, fresh water that's cool, you know, not out in the sun where it's hot. Cattle will um, their their body will respond to water. If they're drinking 80% of the water they need, they're only going to gain 80% of the, the weight that they can. They're only going to express 80% of their maximum genetic potential. And the general rule of thumb is, is the cattle need one gallon of water for every 100 pounds of body weight. So if you got a 1,300-pound steer, he needs 13 gallons of water. Uh, another way to look at it, for every pound of feed that your calf eats, he needs four pounds of water. So if you're feeding them, you know, 20 pounds of grain a day and five pounds of hay, you know, he needs a uh, hundred pounds of water, uh, just in order to eat that. So water helps them regulate their body temperature. It's going to help their body stay in, in homeostasis. And it's, it's essential for basically every process. Relating that to, uh, we have a fitness coach on the show twice so far, Miss Callen Hahn from North Carolina. Yep. And just really, really basic, uh, as far as humans go, one of the first things that she told my wife to start monitoring and uh, trying to increase was her water consumption. So it goes hand in hand for all biological species. It's just something that needs some honest appraisal as far as how much water your calf's in, intaking and how much you as a human are intaking. Yeah. And I mean, I always think of water, like a lot of times you hear people when they go to a show and they say their calf goes off feed, a lot of times they're going off feed because they're not drinking enough water. You know, down here in Texas for these slick shows, obviously, you know, muscle is you know, 70, 80% water. If you want them to really look fresh, uh, hided, you know, that muscle just to pop and get real bloomy and look big and stout and their skin gets kind of tight and fresh and youthful, like you got to hydrate that muscle. You know, a lot of times you see people that'll, you know, got different supplements that they're going to try to drench or feed to get more water to retain in the muscle system there. That's kind of always the give and take. If you're pulling down weight on a steer beforehand, then you dehydrate their muscle and they're just not going to look as fresh and bloomy. You know, sure. if you can show them full, you can really get them to look kind of the part. Kind of along that line too, protein is obviously really important for building muscle. So if I'm feeding a protein supplement, I want to get more shape and expression. I can do that with a um, you know, protein. And, and in some instances, if you feed extremely high levels of protein, you can actually burn fat. So it'd be very similar to like the Atkins diet. You know, so we'll feed your fresh and feminine or fitter 52 or some of these different supplements to try to get them to burn fat off their their neck that that's very similar to the atkins diet you're just putting a lot of bypass protein into the system there and that'll actually uh, uh, start uh, uh sure. lipolysis which will burn off fat in the calf fats obviously just energy fats an essential nutrient so if you're feeding a fat to a calf you're just trying to get more cover or more kind of smoothness in there so cattle need energy just 
just like we do that the, the, the any sort of body process require energy to, to go there uh, vitamins and minerals basically vitamins and minerals facilitate every single process that happens in the body and it's really important for immune function so you think about the last couple of years with covid they'd say hey if you don't want to get covid take vitamin D and zinc. And then if you get COVID, take hydroxychloroquine and zinc because we know zinc is one of those essential fuel sources that your immune system uses to to stay healthy. The last uh, nutrient would be carbohydrates or fiber. And so carbohydrates can be used for a couple different things. If I'm feeding a supplement of carbohydrate, something like a starch, it's going to be to put calories on them to to make them smooth. If a carbohydrate can also be a fiber source where if I'm trying to make a bigger bellied or deeper sided, I can put more fiber into the room in there to try to stimulate and make them a little deeper sided as well. So as you look back on your career, uh, what has been the most challenging part of, of your career? Was it the, the school? Was it learning to judge? Was it learning the techniques that you're talking about now? Try to put it in perspective, I guess, for, for me. That's a, that's a great question. Um, probably a little bit of everything, right? So coaching was always tough because of, um, you know, it's out of your hands. You know, I'm sure you feel the same sure. way when you get a, awesome steer you know you, you get the bull to raise them you do this and that you get them looking perfect then you send them to a home and then it's it's kind of like all right hopefully you know that kid goes out in the ring and everything you know you you want to be involved yeah. in it but it's up to him to get them showed and get them looking the part same thing as a coach or you know you can mm -hmm. teach them everything you need to and just how they perform on contest days a little out of your hands uh yeah. the education part was is is obviously very challenging but so much of education is understanding that there's the science and the mechanism behind it but then sometimes the art of implementation is just important. Um, you know, science can say this is going to happen, but sometimes practically speaking, it doesn't exactly happen that way in, in, in real life either. So there are several different things I could probably go on there. So I don't want to go too far off course, but this Gar Simpson from Texas, he now lives in Texas. He told me the, the, the big science behind DS and all this. And I mean, I have what I call cowboy logic because I see it out in the field on DS. And I guess uh, what you just said relates to me in that if I don't if I don't see a bull transmitting these DS traits, whenever it's a mating that could result in it, I call that DS cold-blooded bull. And then if you get, uh, I mean, I'll just name some of my own, a Dakota Gold or a Trump Train, they seem to be DS hot in terms of just throwing those traits a little a little more uh aggressively is that crazy or do you think that has any any truth or value well i'm, I'm not a genomicist but from my understanding of that genetics process i think you're exactly right um, most of the time these genetic or abnormalities are like a recessive gene so it's a type of deal where we've lined up and we've bred back to you know something like heat wave or heat seeker several times and sometimes you'll you'll get some of that express yeah. in the back part of the or just lining up doesn't or any bull we see that in other breeds too like curly calf or hydrocephalus and angus or epilepsy and herford so there's uh book smart and there's street smart if that's what you want to call it but you're yep, a combination yep. of both sir so mm -hmm. anyways here we go moving on uh why is it important to establish a consistent daily routine for feeding cattle the rumen and, and obviously that's what makes cattle different is they're ruminant animals. So the rumen has got what we call microbes or bugs. They're, they mean the same things. And so those microbes are the reason cattle can digest hay and grass and you and I can't is because of these microbes. What the microbes do is once the calf eats hay or grass, they ferment that and uh, they'll create uh, a volatile fatty acid. And so the, the volatile fatty acid is what that cow or heifer or steer is going to use as an energy source. Well, those bugs they they like a pretty consistent range of pH. So the pH in the rumen needs to stay between basically five and a half and seven. 
And the bugs are specialized. There's some bugs that digest protein. There's some bugs that digest starch. There's some bugs that digest fiber. And if I get out of that range of that five and a half to seven, I start to kill bugs. If my pH gets too low, I kill off the fiber digesting bugs. My pH gets too high, I kill off the starch digesting bugs. And so the reason it's important to, since the rumen is such a sensitive ecosystem, um, if, if I change up and I radically change what I'm feeding them every day, I'm probably going to alter that pH to where I'm starting to kill off some of the bugs that are doing all the, the heavy lifting that I need there. Um, so, you know, that's why we generally say that when you make a diet change, you need to go slowly over time. So if I've got a diet that is 12% crude protein and it's, you know, 75% TDN, which is total digestible nutrients, just kind of estimating what, how many calories are in there. And I'm going to change that the next day to a, a diet that's 10% protein and 80% TDN. Well, now I've got too many protein digesting bugs and not enough starch digesting bugs. So I've got to slowly transition that over time uh, to, you know, maybe cut them back to 80% of what I fed them the day before and just slowly build them up to give that room and time to, to get, uh, to grow the right bugs to digest that new diet. So I think one thing that you mentioned in the Ferris podcast was the term scratch factor. Oh, you yeah. introduced me to a term called scratch factor. And we, me and my wife use that whenever we're talking about throwing some hay at them to uh, get the, get the old juice, get their old saliva going. Like they're looking at a warm piece of apple pie. Yeah. Yeah. So scratch factor is really important. So um, that, that's why we feed basically roughage to cattle. So um, the scratch factor, whether it be you're feeding hay, corn cob, cotton seed holes, any sort of thing there, what that'll do is that, um, that forage or that roughage is going to scratch up against the, um, the side of the rumen wall. And what that is going to do is it, it stimulates mechanical digestion and mechanical digestion is huge, uh, for a couple different reasons. One thing it'll, it'll do is that when you get that mechanical digestion, it, it, it makes the rumen contract It mixes up that feed stuff as it mixing up, you think a contraction, it's going to make the rumen a little smaller that pushes gas outside the rumen it's going to actually cause eructation so it gets the gas outside the rumen it pushes it out the esophagus so you lower your incidence of bloat um, it's going to help um, cattle chew their cud a little bit more and we want cattle to chew their cud because of um, saliva has got sodium bicarbonate in it um, which is a natural buffer it keeps the rumen in kind of the the ideal range that we want to so sometimes you'll see people will feed like baking soda um, which is sodium bicarbonate to try to keep cattle from bloating. So the more scratch factor I got, that the more it's going to cause uh, that calf to, it's going to lower their incidence of bloat. And uh, the other issue there too, the other big thing, we, we want cattle to look big bodied and deep sided. And so the more that I, I stimulate mechanical digestion, that makes the, the muscles that kind of are on the outside of the rumen or underneath the rumen wall get bigger and stronger. It's actually going to make the rumen grow. And that's going to make your calf look a little bit deeper bodied. So most time when we're feeding roughage or we're feeding fiber, we're doing it for gut health. Just like if Matt and I went out and uh, we ate uh, way too much food tonight, let's say we go out and have a really good dinner, the, the best way to probably feel better tomorrow is to have a salad just so that it'll kind of settle our stomach down. What's well, the same thing in cattle? The more roughage you put in there, you cause mechanical digestion, you get more sodium bicarbonate or saliva to kind of neutralize the pH of the rumen. Uh, you're pushing more of the gas out there where you're reducing the incidence of bloat. And at the same time, you're, you're stimulating that rumen to grow bigger, 
to where that calf's naturally going to look deeper bodied. So it's a, a really big factor that you uh, good to feeding cattle with. I'm sure I'm skipping around just a little bit, but uh, we're having uh, a guest on next week by the name of Katie Songer. I believe that she's my age. She's from Canada, from Alberta. And she mm-hmm. just graduated from film school somewhere up there in Canada land. But anyways, me and Curtis Reed visited her, her ranch when her mom was there five, six years ago. And he, she said she wanted to feed her cattle the best quality hay that she could find because that'll build that barrel. We build that barrel with that, that mm-hmm. high quality hay. So there. So yes, moving sir. on. Uh, some people like to feed, uh, skip a feeding once a week. Is this a good idea? No, not really. And I, I, I've, try to counsel people not to do this for, for a couple of different reasons, but it seems like some, you know, people uh, really uh, feel like they've had good results with it. So I talked about how the rumen, in order for those bugs to live, we need to keep the pH in the rumen between five and a half and seven. All right. So what happens is if I, if I skip a feeding a week, the chances are my pH is going to get above seven. And when my pH gets above seven, because I'm not feeding those bugs, anything, all of a sudden I'm killing off those starch digesting bugs. And uh, that's going to make that animal digest less of the feed they eat. So if we think about if I'm feeding, let's say 25 pounds a day. All right. So if I feed night and morning, that means I'm going to feed about 12 pounds each time. So if I skip one meal a week, okay, I'm I'm feeding my calf, you know, 14 meals a week, right? Twice a day, seven days a week. So if I skip one meal, that means I get down to 13 meals a week. So I'm, I'm skipping that 12 and a half pound feeding that he should get. Can I get him to eat that extra one pound to break even by, by skipping that meal? He's going to eat a little harder the next day. You know, maybe, maybe I can get him to beat 13 pounds. Can I get him to eat, you know, 14 pounds where he's eating two extra pounds where he's actually eating more? Yeah, that's going to be a little tougher. But sure. the thing to keep in mind is if I, if I mess up the rumen pH to where I kill off those bugs, it doesn't matter if he's eating a little bit more, if he's digesting 30 to 40% less of it because I killed off some of those bugs in the rumen, um, you know, that, that's, that's going to be an issue. So most of the time, you know, how much a calf is going to gain is going to be dictated by two things, how much they eat and how much they digest. Like if Matt and I go eat dinner tonight and he has one pound of salad and I have one pound of ice cream, everybody knows I'm going to gain more weight, right? Because I digest a higher percentage of that ice cream than what Matt's going to digest of that, that salad. So think of the same thing in cattle, like it's how much they eat and how much they digest. And if by skipping a meal, we're making our cattle digest less of the feed they're going to eat because we've messed up that rumen pH, um, you know, you're, you're kind of defeating the purpose there. But as, as cattle feeders, I feel like we always prioritize how much they eat because that I can see that. It feels good that when I go out that next day and that calf attacks the feed bunk and they eat it really hard, I feel like I'm doing my job. But keep in mind, it's digestibility and intake. And if I'm hurting digestibility at the expense of intake, I'm, I'm actually probably going backwards. So maybe I skipped ahead whenever I said the scratch factor deal, but uh, I do have a note written down to ask you. It seems like show cattle have a lot of issues with bloat. Does that have to do with scratch factor and consistency or just give, give me a little bit on that? Yes, sir. So that, that'd be a, a big one there. Bloat really comes down to two different types of bloat. There's frothy bloat and gases or kind of just dry gas bloat. So frothy bloat is generally caused by um, like alfalfa hay or clover hay, or sometimes we'll feed stuff there. And if we really alter the rumen pH really quickly, uh, what we can do is that that feed will create this kind of slime. And as the bugs in the rumen die, they kind of like release all this gas. And that'll cause that slime will be, in, um, will, will kind of cause a froth. That gas will come up, be encapsulated by that, that slime. And you'll see cattle when they're bloated, if they got that kind of froth coming out of their mouth. That's what we can see happen there. 
Um, and then we have gaseous bloat. And so most of the time our show cattle get kind of a, a dry gas bloat. And the way they get dry gas is, so we talked about the bugs, they ferment feed. And as they ferment that feed, they're going to create a volatile fatty acid, but they also excrete carbon dioxide and methane. And when we cause a dry gas bloat, it's because if we're not pushing enough of that gas out of the rumen through the esophagus. So one of the ways we see that happen generally is because we're not putting enough roughage in there to stimulate that scratch factor that you talked about earlier to, to contract the rumen and push that gas out. So we might not be feeding enough fiber there. There are some instances where we've got some genetic capabilities there too. So the vagus nerve is the nerve that runs from the brain to the gut. And it's alongside the neck there. And every and there's uh, these vets are talking about, we're seeing more cattle that have got damaged vagus nerves. And so even if you got enough scratch factor in there, if that nerve has been damaged, um, sometimes they just literally cannot contract the rumen effectively enough to push uh, that gas out. So there, there can be a genetic component of that as well. Well, so if we got people that have dry gas bloat, usually, you know, hey, let's feed them a little bit more roughage, try to get a little more scratch factor. The other thing you can do is try to, if, if you're home all day, you can split up your meals, maybe go from two meals a day to three meals a day. Think about me and you, like if we go eat way too much food at one time, we're, we're way more likely to feel bloated than if we have, you know, four or five small snacks or meals a day, your, your gut's going to be in a little bit better shape. I am so happy that this is a recorded podcast. You know why? Yeah. I feel like I'm back in college, Iowa State <laughs> University, and you're the lecturer. And yeah. anytime this sort of information comes into my brain, it just, it like skips like a rock across the pond. But. I mean, it's truly interesting, and I, I love hearing the conversation. I'm just going to need to listen to it two or three times to process it all. So I appreciate you. I appreciate you taking me back 20 years in time to a time whenever I was at, uh, well, whatever the frick the lecture halls are in Iowa State University. I do feel like that if I went to college in my 40s, I would have taken a lot more seriously. I just had a tough time taking stuff seriously back in the uh, early 2000s. This is stuff that will affect our management of our cattle over the summer, so I find it interesting plus uh, rewarding to have the conversation. I appreciate you, John. In so, hall there, yep. <laughs> there you go. Beyond blow, have you noticed uh, other digestive disorders that show cattle can suffer from? Yeah, so there's there's a couple that I've, I've been noticing quite a bit. One is called leaky gut, and, and we hear about that a lot in humans, leaky gut. And so um, leaky gut is, is caused when you have any sort of gut inflammation, and it causes the junctions in between the gut, the cells of the gut to open up. And that allows pathogens or microbes to escape the gut and to get into the bloodstream. And so, um, you know, one, one we think about a lot is like in, in humans is celiac disease, right? Sometimes people will have gluten. If they eat gluten, their, their gut gets inflamed. And even people that don't have celiac disease, they might be lowly allergic to, uh, to gluten to where their gut's always inflamed. And uh, the problem with that is, is that people are way more likely getting sick because a majority of your immune system's in the gut. And so if we get leaky gut um, and we're not able to stop pathogens or viruses to slipping out of the gut into the bloodstream, your animal's way more likely to get sick. And, and sometimes those microbes, we talked about the bugs, they're awesome if they stay in the rumen, all right? We need to keep them in the rumen. Problem is, is that they get in the bloodstream, uh, they're, they're going to start digesting things they shouldn't digest. Like they'll colonize on the liver and get liver abscesses. We can see them colonize on the feet and then foundering. If you ever notice, Matt, like on, on uh, cows that get sore mouth, what basically happens is if a cow gets a cut in her mouth, 
as she starts chewing her cud, those microbes get back up in, in, in her mouth and they see an open sore there. They see a, and, and they'll, they'll just start digesting. And that's what causes that abscess. So we, we can see that happen in cattle quite a bit. Our show cattle, I think particularly we see it because if we maybe push them on and off feed, you know, you're taking a calf to a show and you're, you're ramping them up to get them look big bellied. And then you take them off feed real quick that causes gut inflammation. And then all of a sudden that, that those gap junctions there in between the gut kind of open up and we can get some microbes or viruses in the bloodstream and that'll you cause bet. some problems. So you'll see a lot of our feedstuffs now have got probiotics or prebiotics in it that are trying to help strengthen that gut integrity. And it's another reason why slow and steady wins the race. Don't, don't rapidly change your steers diet, you know, slowly step them down, slowly step them up. The more that you make a big issue there, you can have a leaky gut. The other one I think we see quite a bit, particularly on, on steers and heifers that have been fed feed for a long time, is they'll become insulin sensitive. So just like people can become type 2 diabetic, you know, if they've ate too much, you know, calories, you know, over the years, you can see them where they, they become type 2 diabetic. Well, we're learning that cattle can do the same thing. And so I, I think I see this a lot in the show ring where, you know, you get one of them fat steers and you're at a show and the judge says, well, this one just doesn't have the ring presence or this one's just not alert. Well, think about, you know, people like if, if we go and eat way too much food and you get that spike in your blood sugar, you know, like after you've, you've been to the buffet or you've ate way too much ice cream, you just feel absolutely miserable, right? You're, you're going to be just like that steer deadheaded and you want to go home and lay down on the couch instead of going out and, and working hard. Well, some yep. of our steers have just been fed, you know, creep feed and they've been and fed show feed for a long time. And, and, and we see this a lot in feedlots too, where they become insulin sensitive, where, their blood sugar just stays high and elevated because their body cannot process insulin anymore. So even though they're, you know, they, they're, the cells in their body will not pull out that blood glucose. And as a consequence, those cattle are going to look kind of stale and you're going to see them maybe really start to not gain weight at the end of the, the feeding period because we have that. And there's some, some different supplements. Um, chromium is one that, that can be fed. Um, uh, makes that product and, and that's in some, some show products there too which is interesting to me, you look at the data, you know, if um, at research studies, you can feed chromium and it may not have any effect on 80% of the cattle that it's being fed, but there's, you know, about 20% of cattle that are insulin sensitive, um, that it'll really change it. It'll, it'll have a drastic in, uh, uh, change on, on the health of those cattle and, and the gain of those cattle because they're basically type two diabetic. And, you know, if you're type two diabetic and not treated, it, it's natural. You wouldn't look good or feel good. And I think a lot of our big kind of show steers and show heifers go through that same thing too. Off the subject just a bit, Western Kansas feedlot were 10,000 head away. Do you have any insight on how in the heck that could have happened? Did you yeah, hear about I, that? Yeah, yeah. No, I heard about that. I I, I think it's, it's heat stress. I remember when I was at Iowa State, the Iowa State uh, Beef Center, we always would look at, we'd get way more cattle die of heat stress in May and June than we would in August just because of, there's an adaptive nature there. When you have rapid temperature change like that, that seems to be what, you know, cattle's bodies just aren't used to it. And they, uh, they go through a process called a glucose sparing where they just, they're not able to regulate, uh, their blood glucose gets, uh, depleted really quick, uh, glycogen, all those things. And the animal's just not used to it. It's the same reason we see like respiratory issues, um, like in the fall, when you have rapid temperature change from cold to hot, that's when we have way more cattle that have bovine respiratory disease. It seems like we lose more cattle heat stress wise at the very beginning of the summer because their body's just not adapted to it yet. On the heifer side of the deal, uh, it seems that some judges are picking uh, really deep bodied heifers. What are some tips to accomplish that 
perfect phenotype outline. Yeah, exactly. So you talked about a little bit of earlier kind of with the scratch factor. So the cool thing about, you know, heifers, um, and I, I think if we're trying to build belly, we just need to ramp them up to get them to eat more feed. So the more roughage that I feed them, the more that they get that scratch factor, the more that we're contracting the rumen, that's going to make the muscle underlying the, the, the gut tissue there get bigger. The rumen will expand. The cool thing on heifers or steers both is that basically after, you know, say a steer after 1,100 pounds, every organ in that steer's body is going to quit growing besides the gut and his liver. So like after 1,100 pounds, his head doesn't get bigger, his brain, his heart, his lungs, they all stay the same size. The only thing that really grows in a steer past 1,100 pounds is primarily muscle and fat. The only organs that'll get bigger is gut, you know, his rumen, his large intestine, his small intestine, and his liver. Their liver has to grow in concert with the gut. So the more feed that I push through the system, the more I stretch out that rumen, the more they're going to get more depth of body to make them look kind of that, that sappy rib that a lot of folks want. And so the way I do that is just by feeding a, a lot of kind of big bulky feedstuffs and roughages to, to get that scratch factor, get them to contract a little bit more and, and get the rumen to kind of grow to where they look a little bit deeper sided and just uh, sappier through their midrib. Well, this has been good. I uh, appreciate you uh, offering your knowledge. Um, if there's anything that we missed, don't be afraid to speak up before we uh, sign off here. But just a couple of notes I had written down. Uh, Jason Rader was on the show a couple, two yep. or three weeks ago while Todd Line was partying at Lake of the Ozarks. <laughs> and uh, just wanted to make mention that uh, Jason's uh, wife is your sister. Is that correct? Yep, yep. yep. Jason's my brother-in-law. Shut up. I've been actually up in the Midwest the last two weeks. I went to Charlotte Junior Nationals with my nephews while Jason stayed home and got ready with the Semitals. And then I went with oh, yeah. uh, Jason and my sister to Semital Junior Nationals. So uh, had some luck there. It's one of them shows, didn't they? Yeah, or yeah. Or awesome. Yeah, they, they've done. My nephews were really lucky. They do a great job. And Raiders, a great home, great feeder. Obviously, he helped Todd out all those years. And so he's really, really talented. We had a reserve division at the Charlotte Junior Nationals. Bred Semital Heifer was fourth overall. So for a pair of 10-year-old twins, uh, they had a pretty good summer. I, I, I didn't know before that podcast that Jason had won the Iowa State Fair Lamb Show a couple of times. So, oh, yeah. yeah, he was uh, just, like, just like Steve Martin, uh, if you're good at cows, you can be good at other species. So Jason's good at lambs, and uh, Steve's darn good at pigs. Yep. So, uh, and I just, as we were visiting, I thought that uh, this has nothing to do with anything, but uh, my little daughter, 9-year-old Madeline Lautner, is starting county fair next year, state fair the year after that. Uh, so awesome. damn it, I'm gonna miss that chance to get that wide skulled heifer for uh, <laughs> for Ryan Rath, and I'll yep. just miss him by a year. So, mm -hmm. anyways, that's all right. We'll run into him sooner or later. For sure. And then the last two questions that I have for you would be about judging. They're just simple little ones. Uh, just tell me the best part about being a show judge, and also the worst part about being a show judge. Be as as long or as short as you'd like. So I think the best thing about being a show judge is uh, I, I enjoy working with the kids, but it, it's so humbling because, you know, you think about everyone, at, like if you're judging a steer show and you're, you're out there in the grand drive and you think about the steers in each one of the grand drives, like the amount of time and money that it took to create that animal is just, is staggering. So, you know, you're, you're a great example, Matt. Like if you go find, let's say tomorrow you go out and you find the next monopoly or heat wave, the next great bull, right? It's not just the two hours it took you to drive there and go look at them. Like you've been doing this for, you know, your whole life, right? You got 20 plus years of 
trial and error, figuring out which genetics work, what genetics, you know, what, what, what traits translate, which traits maybe don't pass on as well. You're, you're not just looking at calves all summer. You're studying pedigrees throughout the year to figure out where, where there's some of those things there. So that bull, you know, that you buy the amount of time that it took you to, you know, to, to develop your, hone your skills is, is astronomical. All the money you spent over the years to, to find that, you know, that one bull is sure. through the roof. Same thing for a breeder, right? If, if you're going to raise a steer to put in the grand drive at, you know, a, a big steer show, like you just don't throw straw into one cow of semen and, and get it right. Like it, it probably took you six, seven, eight generations in a row making the right decisions to create that right, that credible steer. Um, mm. It's it's a culmination of breeding program, all the trial and error, figuring out what bulls work, what pedigrees match up, go to the home, the family that's feeding that calf. Same thing. Like if you, you put one in the grand drive at the Iowa state fair or Kansas city or something like that, it, that's not a first time deal. Like you're, it's not just the effort you put in this calf. It's all the other ones that you did before to figure out, okay, as a home, we can make this, this trait better, or we can kind of, we can highlight this trait or we can minimize this flaw and, sure. and all the trial and error over the years. So you think about judging a show, how incredibly humbling it is just to get out there and to look at an animal that represents hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of dollars between the, the aggregate of the, of the breeder, you know, the, the person that supplied the genetics and, and that home and, and the thousands and thousands of hours that it took to create an animal like that. So it, I think that's just ex extremely cool because of most of those animals are going to represent the culmination of a, a show career and uh, up to that point in, in a breeding program too. Uh, you know, the tough thing is, is that just like anything, you know, livestock judging is, is highly subjective. So if we all went to Baskin Robbins and we said, okay, let's rank these 30 some flavors of ice cream from first to last. Vanilla is the best. Vanilla is the best. No, there's, no, the there's best. no debate. <laughs> there, there you go. <laughs> We're probably not all going to rank them the exact same. We, we all just have different palettes. We all have different things that we like. So it's, it's highly subjective. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it, that's probably what, what really sucks is that you get out there and there's 20 or 30 of them good enough to win. And it just comes down to, you know, you feel bad for some of them kids that put themselves in a position to win. They got a calf good enough to win. They put in the work to win, but that animal maybe just doesn't fit your type and kind a hundred percent. And so they're, they're going to be left out. So it's, uh, it's, it's extremely humbling, but at the same time, you, you just wish that, you know, more of them could get the recognition that sure. they deserve. The uh, bigger the show, the, the finer the microscope too, in terms of, Traits oh that yeah, you have to sort them on. So yeah, you got to be so critical when you get those those really good ones out there, and, and <clears throat> hypercritical to get them sorted, or else you're just you know not, never going to be able to make a decision. To finish up, just I think the story popped into my head as you were talking about just all the time that it takes to get to the end point from the start point. Uh, just thinking about back over the 180 shows or so that we've had, there's one story that you know there's probably a hundred or a thousand different stories that I we'll take with me and think about from time to time as time goes on. But 30 some years ago, 2022 today, back in the early nineties, old Tyrone Hollinger, uh, had the bull D bull and mm -hmm. D bull was, could have been D steer <laughs> back oh, really? in the early nineties. He got sent down to Mark Copas and Ty said, don't cut him unless, uh, you're sure that you can get X amount of dollars or you just absolutely sure you need him for one of them big steer shows. And he ended up, Coming back to Ty, without D-Bull, we wouldn't have D-Heat Seeker or D-Heat Wave or uh, Monopoly. So it's just, you know, it's, it is a, a long process to get to the end point from the start point. And sometimes, just sometimes, 
those decisions that a guy makes, whether it be not cutting monopoly in my own life or whatever <laughs> it may be, uh, you know, they have lasting effect and you have to have skill to put yourself in position those industry changing things that happen. Uh, that, that's just personally think it's quite a bit of luck involved as well. So that's for sure. Got to be good. Eh? <clears throat> Lucky. You betcha. Yep. Well, I appreciate your time. It's been awesome. Can't wait to get this one thrown out to the public. Uh, if you uh, would like to come back on in the next few months or this fall, we'd love to have you. Uh, just your knowledge of, I mean, like I said, I felt like I was back in lecture hall and uh, darn sure need to spread in the educational with the historical and everything else we're doing on this show. So I, I thank you for your time uh, and good luck on down the road judging and showing with your family and also with your job there at uh, Purina. So, yeah, awesome. Thanks for having me, Matt. I enjoyed it. Thanks a lot. We'll be in touch. Have a good one. Yep. Take care. Bye. Bye. So I don't know if John would want me to do this, but we're going to do it anyways. If you uh, have some questions from today's show or if you want to do business with with Purina and get John's uh, advice on a professional level, his number is 309-582-4555 in the Louisiana and Texas markets. Thank you very much. Yeah, India Goyle, 304-216-2214 for old Burke Holby, National Sales Manager at the Big Show. Has there ever been anything like this? I think not. Deep down in Louisiana, close to New Orleans, way back up in the woods among the evergreens, there's still the